Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another episode of OUinsider.com's podcast. I'm joined by Colin Kennedy. And Colin, let's jump off the top with the top 247 rankings. What struck you in, well, a little bit of moving and shaking, I guess. Yeah, a little bit is probably the best way to put it. There weren't too many drastic changes, which I think is fairly appropriate given the current circumstances we're facing. Obviously, the COVID-19 epidemic has made this thing a little bit more difficult for our national experts to evaluate and advise. But at the same time, I thought there were a couple of guys, RJ, and I'm sure we'll get your take on these as well, that really deserved the rise that they received, starting with on Arnold, a guy that I've written about a couple of times on OUinsider.com. He rose drastically in the rankings. I think over 100 spots now into the top 85. He's a four-star defensive back out in Florida, Tallahassee to be specific. And I spoke with him a long time ago. He was just wrapping up, recording a double-double in his high school basketball game to talk to me about the OU staff and his relationship with them. This was a while back, and at the time, if I remember correctly, he was considered a three-star. But, and I'll go into this a little bit more. I know you insider.com have a really cool piece coming up about Roy Manning and Terry on Arnold. But basically, at that time, what Oklahoma staff and specifically what OU's cornerbacks coach saw in Arnold was not maybe what several recruiting ranking sites saw at that time. But now you can see that clearly Oklahoma staff was way ahead of the curve because Arnold is now recognized as the number two safety in the nation and one of the top 100 players in all of America. So, I was really excited to see Terrion get that jump. He's also a Division One basketball prospect. I know the University of Florida offered him an opportunity to play both football and basketball, which just tells you how freak athlete this guy is. I would hope that maybe Oklahoma evaluates and maybe does the same to at least get back into this race. The other guy that really saw a rise there was Christian Leary. I know we'll get into him a lot, probably on this podcast, an OU wide receiver target that I believe rose 62 spots. He's now number 128, right next to another wideout target in Mario Williams, both from the state of Florida. I think Leary, when you put on the tape, man, this guy is a burner. We always talk about Mario Williams and the speed that he brings to the table. But Leary, man, I mean, there are some clips of that guy putting dudes in the dust, and it looks easy while he's doing it. So for him to rise 60-plus, I think is well warranted. I'm excited to see how much farther he can rise. And you'd have to think if he gets to play another high school season of football, if we get that, he's going to go even further. And then kind of maybe the surprise for me, while it's somewhat minute, is Caleb Williams kind of staying pat at six. I know for me, I thought, especially given all the hype of this off season surrounding him, that maybe he would climb into the top five and, top four or three maybe, but for him to kind of drop because of what J.C. Latham, offensive tackle from IMG Academy, has done, I don't want to say it shocked me, but maybe I was caught a little bit off guard, but at the same time, Latham has obviously done enough to deserve that kind of jump, I believe 20-plus spots into the top five. So those were kind of my top three takeaways from the top 247 this time around. 
So I really got one specific takeaway after going through the rankings and even scrolling a little bit more to make sure I know what I know while you were doing a really great job of outlining the guys that you were really interested in. But it's that the rankings council was kind of forced to put this out, right? Because if you pay attention to how these things go out, you'll see one move post-spring and you'll see another move just before preseason begins. And that'll probably be the last move you see right until the end when we see our finals come out. But guys that didn't make a whole lot of moves are guys that were already established, right? Guys that made a lot of moves were guys that were getting some heavy interest from some top-tier programs and were really going to lean one way or direction or another. And then you took into account what the program and its recruiters have been doing as a whole. So you mentioned like J.C. Latham, who was part of this prodigious Ohio State class for which we quite literally seen nothing like it before, and that's another segment altogether. But like North Carolina, for instance, right? Seeing Drake May move up 10 spots from 32 to 22 tells you a lot because he wasn't that highly regarded when he was committed to Alabama, flips to North Carolina, and then along with him comes a number of outstanding players, and they're filling out in a way that we've never seen North Carolina recruiting fill out. All while we look at Alabama of all, right? And they got their one guy in the class who's ranked at the bottom of the SEC. So, like, I didn't really want to put a whole st- a lot of stock in this. Like, I thought about writing to that end about, hey, see all these guys? See how they didn't really change all that much? And see how we didn't have any football to really talk about or any spring practice to talk about or opening regionals to talk about? This reflects that. So, to see spots jump where, like, 60, right, is also to see what offers went out, and then went what they were able to crunch when they were able to watch film, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. the rankings council meets weekly. All these guys talk to each other all the time. And perhaps they're all watching the same huddle film or they're bringing these guys up. I mean, in the bits where we've seen recorded conversations that have been cut down and heavily edited, it's really been an interesting conversation to hear, and they're having the same conversations we're having. They're just getting to see and talk with these guys a little bit more. And they take into account what the elite evaluators have to say about them as well, because the job of the rankings council is to put together the list of guys that they believe is going to go into the NFL draft at this particular juncture in this particular round based on how the NFL is drafting. And then when you take into account Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley, Dabo Sweeney, and the, and the like who have been putting NFL talent into the first round in a, on a consistent basis, if they've been able to do this wherever they've gone, you got to take into account that. Like Mac Brown, for instance, when he would, had Texas humming right along, Texas was pretty good about putting guys in the NFL. When they stopped being good at putting guys in the NFL, Mac Brown was no longer the head coach. I think all of that stuff kind of matters. So that was that was my big take. I I don't really have a problem with Caleb Williams at six, but I don't have a problem with Caleb Williams at one either. So I, I really didn't take a look yeah. at it in that way. Other guys, uh, I just did not. I don't understand why Mario Williams still isn't getting the love from the top two four seven crew the way that he seems to be getting mm-hmm. it from everybody else. Quite literally, I mean, he's forty in the two four seven composite and outside the top one hundred in the top two four seven, and maybe that's because he hasn't actually committed to playing just the one sport, right? But a dude that we really like, and of course Christian Leary, another guy that we really like. Um, is there something you want to follow up on there? No, I just thought you bring up a great point, and I think it really illuminates the situation that we're in. If you look back, there are a couple of names that we're bringing up that I want to further your point. Mm. Number one, Terion Arnold, the guy who jumps 100-plus spots. 
if I remember correctly, our 24-7 Sports National Rankings Council got to see him at one of the few Under Armour elite camps out in Orlando, Florida. So during that time, they were able to in-person evaluate one of the top prospects in Florida and one of the top prospects in the nation. You mentioned Drake May. We got to see Drake out at the Houston End Zone 7-on-7 tournament, and that served as an evaluation period, specifically with his passing ability, all that nature, and as a pro-style prospect, that's going to carry some weight. So then that helps him rise, what, 30-plus spots? Outside of that, unless you were a guy from one of those Under Armour camps or you participated in one of the last few 7-on-7 tournaments, there was not much there to really help your cause. And so it's not really a knock on any of these kids. And a lot of fans who will see these rankings will say, well, why is an ex-player getting the recognition that he deserves? He's such a good football player. Hmm. Well, we know that, but we haven't seen him further his progress. And obviously Oklahoma's football staff, several coaching staffs across the country and our national rankings council included really values progressive development and we don't have that sample size right now to go off of and so i give a ton of credit to our guys at national for just taking the body of work that they currently have to go off of and utilizing it in the best way that they can right another guy to throw in there that everybody got to see was travion henderson who was ranked number 226 and then made that enormously in the rankings released previous to this one of course headed to ohio state and i need to bring it up Tumise Adelier decided yesterday, we're recording this on a Thursday, that he is committed to Ohio State, which the thing that's shocking to me about that was not that he picked Ohio State, it's that he just decided to jump his own timeline by about four months and just make it official to give them a ridiculously awesome class. And, you know, Ohio State's not done. They could land three of the top ten uncommitted players left, which is just bonkers. Uh, Emeka Ubuga, along with J.C. Latham, who we've uh, talked about a bit, and perhaps I'm missing one guy. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Because Kyle McCord's... Oh, if, you go off the t- if you go off the top, maybe they can work their oh, way JT, into like a JT. No, JT. Yes. That's right. Uh, Tui Molau, I think. Tui Molau? JT, number one player in the country. <laughs> Let's yes. leave it there. Right, and then I'm looking around, going, "Okay, where are the OU leans?" Right, and you got to go aways past Caleb Williams. Like, there was a time when Kamar Wheaton would have felt like a guy that was going to be an OU lean, Savion Bird, an OU lean. Both of those guys are feeling Southern Methodist, and you know they're close with Preston Stone, who committed to Southern Methodist and was the first junior allowed to do so at the All America Bowl. So you know what the council thinks about him in this 21 class. But look, man, I'm wondering. When's it going to start falling into place for Oklahoma, right? Because we got an outstanding set of eyes. I think we know who that is. But outside of that, you still got to fill a number of spots. And at 26th, I believe, on today, when the 247 team composite rankings, you got some work to do to just make it into the top 10, which is a place that we had kind of assumed Oklahoma just kind of lives. Yeah, obviously, it's not time to hit the panic button by any stretch. But at the same time, I just found it a little bit comical that I'm scrolling through the 24-7 rankings and West Virginia has a higher rated commit than Oklahoma at this stage, right. which is a little bit staggering. But at the same time, you have to understand the time frame that we're dealing with. Obviously, dominoes will begin to fall once the quote-unquote serious three finally reveals itself. But at mm-hmm. the same time, until that takes place, Oklahoma's probably going to have to wait things out and continue to somewhat be 
lagged in the recruiting process, maybe is the right way to put it. You would think that at this point, with all the momentum created by Lincoln Riley and his young coaching staff during this epidemic, that it would be rewarded with high-profile commitments. But at this stage, there's just not much traction there. I mean, yes, a lot of these kids are recognizing the effort and the, the really cool edits that they're putting together for these kids. But at the same time, you got to get these guys on campus. You got to get these guys in person. You got to talk to them, convince them. And right now, it's just unable to take place, especially with some of the maybe out of state or out of region prospects that Oklahoma's higher on. So it's a difficult thing to, to face, but it's not like anyone else isn't facing this current situation. So, yeah, if I'm OU or OU fans, I'm not necessarily worrying, but it would be nice for some of those dominoes to finally fall so you can kind of climb up in the 21 rankings and continue to... Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at New Balance build momentum right because uh looking at the point scores and how their valuation the standard deviation and how they take less and less and less right you're looking at alabama being ranked number 67 right now because of the one commit that they do have who is highly rated right is still the one commit that they do have which puts them just ahead of utah and just behind temple right we're talking about central florida yeah. syracuse memphis western michigan Appalachian state arizona state rice miami of ohio Georgia Tech, Brigham Young, South Florida, all being ranked ahead of Alabama, and that's just getting to number 45 on this list. I guess what I'm outlining here is this ridiculously weird 2021 cycle because nobody knows what they're doing. And I've been lampooning Nick Saban for this for the past five days because I think it's just funny and and it's a position of privilege. The man just got his own email account that he operates on Friday. It's 2020. It took a pandemic. It took not being able to leave the state and leave your house for Nick Saban to have to get IG. And he still doesn't have a Twitter account to my knowledge, right? And I think for once, it's going to bite him. Now, the more we get to a place where we don't necessarily see football on the horizon, the more it can look like Alabama's going to have a really difficult time putting together even a quality class because you're not getting the in-home visit. Right, that's where Nick Saban is able to just swoop in and take kids. Like, take him for instance, J.C. McCle- uh, Jace McClellan. Right, if he's not able to get the in home, and he's not able to show face, I don't think he swings that. And I think that's the same with half the classes that he puts together. I think it's such a big deal for him to be there in December and for him to be able to say, "Look at who I'm going to send into the NFL this year, and look at what we did this past year." It's a huge deal for him to be able to travel and do more than talk on the phone at a time when the guys who are able to text, the guys that are able to use Messenger, to use DMs, to do Zoom, to use Instagram, whatever means they have to on the technological side are actually winning specifically with the kids that are out of state because I understand Oklahoma wants some guys that are out of state because it's it's Oklahoma right we understand that I am in the minority when I say I think you could field a bunch of Okie kids and you can go win for for reasons that have more to do with pride necessarily than ability that said Texas is home base and you go and you recruit Texas that's just what you do but at a time when 
Ohio State is able to go across the country to secure commitments, and they're getting guys from Virginia, and they're getting guys from Texas, and they're getting guys seemingly from Washington and from Missouri. I, I fail to, to see what the big difference is as Day is supposed to be one and one with Lincoln Riley when you're talking about offensive prowess, being a younger coach, being a guy that inherited a pretty good program and a pretty awesome staff, and all of a sudden we're going, wait a second, what are they doing that everybody else is doing? And to that end, Mac Brown, right, who's Nick Saban's age, is out here closing the deal. You know, and I, I, I got a hard time with it, but again, it's a weird cycle for everyone, and at this point, you're having to depend on decommitments and flip commitments as opposed to earning commitments, and however you do it is however you do it, but I tend to look at it and say, if a kid knows he's going to be a part of an outstanding class, he usually is going to stick. Right, because he wants to play with those dudes, not necessarily because he mm-hmm. wants to be the guy standing apart. And I think to me, say underscored that for me. The biggest thing for me right now that's kind of being revealed is, in my opinion, the the programs that are really getting through the situation have the unique combination of youth and built-in reputation, and that's why to me, Ohio State is currently dominating the recruiting scene. When you think about, okay, you're the Oklahoma Sooners, right? You have that offensive prowess that you mentioned. You have the social media aspect. You've utilized digital resources so effectively. But at the same time, Tamise Adelier said to you on your YouTube channel, I sure hope Alex Grinch stays around because I want to see what that defense does in the future. Mm. Well, the difference between Alex Grinch and that defense's future and Ohio State's defense and its past is that one is certainly more fortified than the other, mm. right? And you can fall back on previous reputation. And obviously, like Ohio State smartly did, tweeted out that video of all the defensive ends currently in the NFL out of Ohio State. There's a reason why prospects like Tomise, when unable to go be on campus and speak with guys like Grinch, who are just starting to sort of rebuild the fort, They're going to look at the programs that know they have a body of work to prove to you, hey, we can put you in the NFL because we've been doing it for a while. Thing is here, yeah, OU is doing really well specifically on the offensive side of recruiting during this pandemic because they've got the built-in reputation to go with the social media presence. But fans are getting frustrated, and I think we're not talking about enough. Right now, bottom line, OU doesn't have that defensive reputation to fall back on to combine with all of that youth and smart digital presence that they're currently bringing to the table. If they had it, if Grinch had been doing this for maybe three years, there's no doubt in my mind that they're in a much better position with Tamise moving forward. And that's going off of my knowledge. That's nowhere near as close as yours. But at the same time, you just feel like that has some warrant to it because, man, Grinch did something remarkable in just one season and caught the attention of a guy like Tamise who, to be quite honest, really had no business taking them seriously when that thing really got started. So that's, for me, it's what's been really interesting about Ohio State. They're such a unique program right now because they're better than Alabama when it comes to that digital presence, but they're also better than Oklahoma when it comes to built-in defensive reputation or NFL-caliber talent back in. It's all working in their favor, and that's why you're seeing a program like Oklahoma struggle to get guys like Tunise during this pandemic. All right, so from that to something a little bit more whimsy, I want to bring this to your attention if you haven't seen already. So, did you see Thomas Hammett got got got, got catfished? 
I didn't see that, no. Okay, okay. so Thomas Hammock, for those of you who don't know, is the head coach in Northern Illinois. As in, yeah, those Wolves, right? Who were really, really good for quite some time, and they were pretty doing a pretty good job last year. All right, so a Twitter account goes by at CFB Home, started a Twitter account for his NCAA 14 prospect, we call Patrick Flowers, right? Six foot one, one hundred eighty-seven pounds, and three point four five GPA, twenty-seven ACT. His recruitment is open, right? And he claimed that he had an offer from a number of places, one of them being Northern Illinois. So Thomas Hammock, who's the head coach of Northern Illinois, gets into his DMs to say, "I'm the only person that offers scholarships, and I did not offer you. We don't play those games here." To which the CFB home, as Patrick Flowers tweets back, hey, see, my recruiting card says there must be some mistake. I just got offered by Northern Illinois. I'm so close to getting the scholarship, coach. And then <laughs> Hammett comes back. Come on, let's not start this. It's already bad kids posting fake offers. To which he replies, I don't know what you mean. This is real. But you're not going to get this world-class talent on your team when I announce my top five next week. And I was gaggling. I was so, I was, I was having, I was, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. And then Thomas Hammock, who is a good dude, goes to take this Twitter account, right? And basically lays it out for folks to say, look, I got got. Honesty is the best policy. Every offer that we send out is committable. But I'm going to read the full tweet so he gets the full exposure here. Due to NCAA rules, I'm not allowed to comment on specific recruits, even from the class of 14. I would like to state <laughs> that all of our offers are committable and come personally from me. People pull offers every day. We're not in that business. Honesty is a policy. Man, he got me. <laughs> and this goes back to what I'm saying. If you're not used to dealing in these internets, <laughs> you can get got. And I love that he copped to it. I really do. But I had to bring that to you because that's just awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Bro, I don't know how many times it's happened to you, but apparently this is like a trend right now during this standstill in the world of sports. I've been tweeted at by like five different NCAA 14 players with saying, show me some love. I'm about to get that OU offer. Hey, yo, I'm from Allen, Texas. I'm the new quarterback on the scene. Give me some pub. I'm like, bro, I'm not about to retweet you when you got a fuzzy little NCAA 14 graphic as your Abby. Like, there's no way I'm about to fall for that. And then it's getting to the point where our 24-7 sports Slack channels are like, hey, by the way, guys, make sure you don't end up like the NIU head coach and get got by some of these fake recruits. I'm now on the edge of my seat because the moment I mess up, I'm getting put on blast, no doubt. But it is hilarious what people come up with on the internet, man. It's it's a different time, but it also brings a little bit of comedic relief for what we're dealing with. So, hey, at least at least he was man enough to, to own up to the, the loss there. Right, and the idea that he's just going to go into your DMs like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, like he's just going to be like, let me go ahead and hey, tell this kid. That's fearless right there. Right? I it. <laughs> and then he just screen kept <laughs> like a Snapchat. Like, <laughs> I, look, 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 look. I came up at just the right time. For folks to be able to screen cap something, it wasn't always your text exchange, and it wasn't always your direct messages, but if you had a Mac, you could get away with this stuff in a way that you couldn't with the other softwares, right? So there was always stuff that you wouldn't say 
over, you know, in print. And now we got coaches that ain't never learned those lessons because they didn't go to college in the 21st century. Like, <laughs> I know you got the one homeboy who got got on the Snapchats, who got got on the Instagram DMs, right? Mm-hmm. So after that homeboy has that experience, one of the things that usually doesn't happen is it usually doesn't get several thousand retweets. But now we live in a lawless land. We live in the Wild West where everybody's screen capping everything all the time. And you never know what somebody might be holding in the back over there that you might have said years ago. Right? And that's why I, all these forms of communication, you really got to be watching and you really got to be like, do I want to write this? All right, let me find a, let me find a business way to write this down because one of my favorite subcultures is the email pl- clapback, you know, where where what somebody said is previous to my last email, which is, you know, code for, look here, dummy. I said, <laughs> like, I love this stuff. I love this idea of, hey, we have to have coded language even within our coded language because not everybody on the program. Do you have a story you could share where this has happened to you? I can't say that this has personally happened to me. I just think it's hilarious that not only we got people doing this, but there's an audience for this stuff. Like, oh, yeah. It's one thing to be screen capping and, and like putting it out, mm-hmm. but we got people who are laughing and then spreading it thousands plus in the blink of an eye. That's what catches me off guard, and that's what puts me on edge, because there's no way in heck I'm trying to be involved in a tweet that's going 30-plus K retweets where I'm looking like an idiot. There's just no way you're going to catch me slipping like that. Oh, my God. Especially when you're a young buck like me who should be technology sav. I'm, there's no way I'm slipping. So that's what I'm terrified of doing. I, maybe that's why I've stayed out of stories like that, because I just refuse to get got. Nah, man. It's, it's one of those things where you just got to really know your group chat, and you got to really know who you're talking to, right? So, like, I'm in a group chat with a couple of old dudes that I really love, right? And we be saying all kinds of wild stuff, but they're the homies, and they didn't come up on the interwebs. So sometimes they'll even send stuff, and I'll be like, yeah, that's a fake tweet. You got got. And then they'll lose their stuff. Like, for instance, one of them sent a tweet to the group chat talking about Ian Rappaport said that uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred is going to actually strip the Astros of their World Series title and, you know, all of that noise. To which, you know, everybody wanted to see that happen. That's playing on your feelings. But also, one, I said, Ian Rappaport. And then I go, you know, read it. And his last name is misspelled. And it's a Twitter account that is a known disturber of the peace. And I said, y'all got got. Y- y'all been having a conversation about this for three hours, and it's it's not even real. Y'all can't read. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's why. Like, do you remember that night when the Paul George Kawhi Leonard flurry of news got tweeted out by Woj? Oh yeah. I promise you, I clicked on his Twitter account like seven times, just making sure it was the real guy. So if I retweeted it, I wasn't gonna look like a whole fool. But no. that's why I'm so paranoid these days. I gotta make sure someone's Twitter Abby is the real deal. Like at least 10 times. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, and nothing wrong with being able to wait just a moment. You know what I mean? Like, one, yeah. Ian, Ian Rappaport reporting baseball news. Let's, 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 let's pull back. <laughs> let's pull back. Right? Because, like, the first thing that I did, right, I go check Jeff Passant, right, over at MLB Insider for ESPN. Because mm-hmm. he, he's been on top of all of this stuff. I know where I'm going. I know who I read. I, I have, I no longer have publications that I can trust anymore. I have writers. You know what I mean? Like, there are people in our industry that we trust a little bit more than we might trust somebody else, right? 
or you go to you trust but verify and then you go verify it over here and then you go check okay they got that story and they got that story and they got that story cool it's a story it's the same thing in journalism like i get it that you know not everybody's like you and i and decide to study this stuff like idiots but it really comes down to do you trust that person okay let's independently find out if we could trust this other person okay let's see if we can't independently see if we could try and out if we could trust this other person cool it's a story i can go with it i can break it and I feel like you got to be doing that on the Twitters now. You know, this is another reason why these verified badges have everything flipped upside down. Some of these folks are really on the level and some of these folks need to have their status removed because, hey, just because you work at Sinclair Broadcasting doesn't mean that you need to be giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, dude, I don't know if you saw that Glazer news. But, oh, I was so frustrated. This isn't even like, this is going on people you trust. Glazer out here boosting stuff, and even the the, the established journalists mm-hmm. are boosting news that really did not deserve that kind of hype. So mm-hmm. that's why I credit you for saying, "Hey, you got to find the dudes that you trust and that you know are going to put out the big news mm-hmm. when it's needed." Mm-hmm. It's a different world we live in, man. It's hard, but you got to find the way to navigate through it, and that's why it's terrifying to surf the interwebs these days. Yeah, man. Uh, last thing I want to leave on is all right. Now that my most wanted recruit for Oklahoma is off the board outside of Caleb Williams who does OU need to land and by my most wanted recruit for Oklahoma was to me say for you know just check that podcast I've been talking about to me say for a very long time and I think he's going to be tremendous at Ohio State love that kiddo uh, who do you have yeah I've said for a while that Bryce Foster is the guy for me on the offensive line specifically considering the fact that there's probably a limited amount of scholarship offers to spread out on that offensive line class for 21. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'll kind of go off of it and give you another one. I think it's going to be really pivotal that Oklahoma lands either Kamar Wheaton or LJ Johnson at running back when you really look at this running back group. Obviously, right now, Kennedy Brooks heading into what will be its final season. Sermon's out. A lot of youth in that backfield with some injuries and things like that. I, I think, obviously, if you're going to wait on the series three and if a running back isn't a part of it, you'd really like to round out that running back class because it's starting to kind of remind me of, okay, let's say they do get Caleb Williams. Let's say they do get a couple of those wide receivers we talk about. It's very similar back in the day when they landed Spencer Rattler. They got Theo. They got Jaden. They got Trajan. They got Stogner. But then they kind of lost out on like Noah Kane. And it just left kind of a gaping hole there in the recruiting class. And then obviously Marcus Major filled that gap. So, I think it's going to be really interesting. Number one, obviously, the guy Bryce Foster that I'm really keyed in on. And then number two, how Oklahoma handles that running back race, especially because from what I'm hearing, Kamar Wheaton, he's got a couple of different options that he's evaluating. And it may not work out in Oklahoma's favor at this stage unless things drastically change regarding the pandemic. So it's all very, very interesting. And obviously, we can go on and on about whichever defensive talent they got to get. But at this point, they need anything and everything on that side of the football. Yeah, I'm going to go with just the critical mask of Oklahoma's offense being able to carry itself and be able to either land somebody late that they want or just be able to pick somebody up off the transfer portal, whether it be a wide receiver or running back, as as you said. Uh, Quarterback's a little bit different, but I don't think Lincoln Riley's ever going to have a problem getting quarterbacks to come to Oklahoma. So that's why I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go ahead and, man, look, it's hard to say they should get a defensive tackle as – the guys that you would want are basically off the board, and there's a reason as to why we keep saying follow the defensive tackles to find out where you're going to be really good. Follow defensive ends to find out where college football is going to be really good. Outside of that, 
follow the safeties that can play multiple positions, right? Dax Hill, Josh Proctor. That's why I'm going to go with Kendall Daniels, right? That is an in-state kiddo who has offers from Bama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, among others. That's enough for me, right? And he had those offers after, way after he had his offer from Oklahoma. He's from Beggs. He's in the state. Pay the visit. Get him on the phone. Make sure he doesn't leave the state because you really want the safety help. You really want a guy that can play nickel and free and strong. And you really want a guy who everybody else wants because you taking a third L on a top safety in this state where usually one of the top three spots in this state goes to a safety is just not a good look, especially with a regime change, right? Dax Hill, you can put on Mike Stoops, Kerry Cooks. You can do the same thing with Josh Proctor. That guy went to Michigan. That guy went to Ohio State. You cannot afford to watch Kendall Daniels go to LSU, Georgia, Clemson, or Alabama. It's just not going to be a good look. I think from the optic standpoint and from the standpoint of putting together an outstanding defense, that is the place to go. And I would throw in a defensive tackle here, but I feel that strongly about Kendall Daniels. That makes sense? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, Daniels is kind of one of the must-land prospects on the defensive board, not only because you mentioned he's a defensive back, he's an in-state guy, but in my opinion, he's easily got the frame to eventually transition to the outside linebacker spot. So mm-hmm. keeping that in consideration, the versatility he brings to the table, mm-hmm. no way you can let that guy leave. Mm-hmm. Well, that is Colin Kennedy. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at ckennedy247. That's ckennedy247. Does outstanding work at OUinsider.com. Had a great uh, note series up following on Quinn Ewers. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, especially when we find out what Caleb Williams ultimately does. Lots of good news over at OUinsider.com. Today, Thursday, when this goes up, 60% off for VIP. It's about $358. What is it, a month there, Colin? Yeah, it's cheap, cheap, man. Come join us. We've had over 100 signups just to begin April. I know we're number three currently in the right. network in VIP signups and currently trending upwards. So come join one of the fastest rising OU communities and a great place to get all of your OU sports and recruiting information. A lot of fun. Right on. Appreciate you, Colin. Yes, sir. Always fun. All right, man. Talk to you next week.